They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Hello and welcome to the Juan Juan Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, consider signing up for the Patreon. There you get ad-free content, early access, exclusive episodes, and monthly supporter hangouts. You can find it at patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast. If you don't like the subscription-based models, there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Juan on Juan podcast with your host, Juan Ayala. footprint was so defined like you can see the toes not just the pad of the toe but you can see the the actual how it extends and most people aren't used to seeing that then because i'm shocked at this point i was not expecting to find this print so i'm looking down at it totally off guard like trying to record myself at the same time and all of a sudden this huge black just mass goes darting across the trail and i'm just like totally taken back and i hear it and i'm like i i hear it run and it stops and i'm sitting there and i'm just like and i actually look at the camera and i say i think i'm about to get eaten by bigfoot Welcome back to another episode of the Juan Juan Podcast. I'm your host. As always, make sure to follow me on social media at the Juan Juan Podcast. And TJOJP is our website now, tjojp.com. Make sure to follow that good stuff. Links are in the description. And today we are joined by a first timer. And 
we got connected and we, I mean, I've known your brother for a while now. So yeah. welcome to the show, okay. Brian. What's up, man? Black Mass Paranormal. What's up? What's up? What's up, man? Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny how we ended up getting connected. So, <laughs> it, you know, can you, you people- probably heard you've probably heard. I mean, he's got to have told you some of the stuff, hasn't he? He has, but before we get into it, Brian, can you plug your social media and your YouTube channel and stuff for people to find you? Yeah, you can find me at uh, Black Mass Paranormal uh, on YouTube, uh, on Instagram. Um, I'm trying to do the TikTok thing, but, you know, it's uh, it's a little bit difficult for me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I got a Facebook page. Um, yeah. It, that, the face, it's easiest to contact me through uh, the Facebook. I usually respond, respond the quickest. Awesome. Send me those links after. And, yeah, your your brother uh-huh. has told me some things. But whenever – I remember yeah. the first time I ever went fly fishing with him, he had told me – he thought it was a joke the first the first time ever. Yes. We, were in, we were in the Smoky Mountains, and I – we had been – fishing for a while and i asked him and i've told the story a whole bunch of times on the podcast because he never came on the show and i would always i would always text him and ask him to come on the show and he would never would so yeah he he told me he's seen bigfoot five times and then this last time that, that we were on the river he told me we were on a river where he'd seen bigfoot and dog band because it was near the yeah some portal or stargate or something <laughs> i don't know man yeah Dude, he like, and, and that's the thing. But also with Jason, you got to remember that he's a fishing guide. So for him to like tell stories about the things that he's experienced, because I mean, we've both been, um, you know, in the mountains like basically our whole lives. That's you know what we love to do. That's you know where our heart is. So with him being a guide, for him to tell these stories people are going to want to know where this happened. And, you know, you talk to any type of fisherman, they're not going to want to tell you their spots, man. They, uh, -uh. (laughs) you know, that's, that's their bread and butter. So, um, you know, in dealing with the paranormal and dealing with, dealing with, with these things, uh, can be a very personal experience. You know, it's for a lot of people, it's hard to, come out and say exactly what happened without you know the fear of being considered crazy or you know looked down on um and i i guess the the whole atmosphere or not the atmosphere the idea of it has people are becoming a little bit more receptive to it now but you know ever since i was a kid and the first thing that I experienced, I experienced with Jason and ever since then, I've just been fascinated with it, you know, just like what the heck happened, you know, and and like telling people about it. Jason's always just been like, dude, calm down, calm down. (laughs) But yeah, man, he was that first thing, bro. It was a UFO, um, at our house, uh, behind our house. We just had like acres and acres of wood, like wood line. And then in the middle of that wood line, there was a farm and they had like some cows. Uh, I think they had some horses and, you know, whatever. And then after that, it was 
more wood line until eventually you hit the uh, the main interstate. But it was just kind of like a pass through. So in the middle of the night, I hear in Jason's back window or Jason's bedroom window was facing the wood line. And he would always sleep with his uh, blinds open. And usually even with his window open. And one night I'm laying in bed. He's laying in bed. Like the whole house is quiet. And he just starts freaking out. Like losing his freaking mind in this room. And I jump out of bed and I go running into into his room because it's my older brother. You know, I'm like, why are you yelling? (laughs) I'm the one that's supposed to be yelling. (laughs) And, um, He's just staring, and he points out the window. He's, like, pointing at the window. And then at that point, I look up, and I see it, and it's, like, this huge craft. And what I can remember of it, it, there was, like, this red line. It was very, like, triangular almost in shape. And we're both just kind of staring at this thing. And then my mom comes in the room, and she's looking at it we're all just kind of staring out the window at this massive craft that's floating above the wood line. And then all of a sudden it's just like, it's, it's like gone. And it, the way that it moved was just, it, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. Like if, if you were in like a movie and you, they, they do the real quick zoom out, but like a hundred times faster than that. Like it was just like gone. So that was an experience that, you know, really triggered my mind into how I viewed the world. So it, it, was, it was really interesting. That the next in, time you're on the river with him, ask, ask him about it. <laughs> that was in Tennessee? You guys have been in Tennessee all your lives? Yeah. Yep. So what is it about Tennessee, Brian? Because... As of lately, you and I were talking a little bit before the show, you, you were talking about how one of the things that has really perked me up as of lately and one of my guilty pleasures is <laughs> like listening to like Bigfoot and like cryptid podcast. <laughs> Cause yeah. you know, when I'm like, oh, yeah. when, I, when I'm on a road trip or something, I'll listen to it. Cause, and, and the reason I don't like to listen to it a lot, because I'm the kind of person where if I'm not learning anything from it, I usually don't listen to it right because i'm right. A, i'm a researcher yeah, so yeah. and these stories yeah. it's it's stories right i mean it's it's people's experiences but it's yeah. real to them and i went to yeah. tennessee as of lately and there's something about tennessee bro what's what's up in tennessee that is some something's up bro there's dogman sightings there's big there's all <laughs> kinds of stuff but dogman's real hot right now is there a reason for that dude or do you think that right. there's something going on no, I, I mean, I don't think that there's been a dramatic change. The only dramatic change that's happened is the amount of people that are actually coming to Tennessee. Like, our population has just absolutely exploded because, you know, people are trying to get out of the, the big cities and, you know, they see the, the shows on TV about Appalachian living and they're like, oh, I want a farm and I want a simple life, you know, with, you know, strong male role models. But really and truly in Appalachia, it, it's just always kind of been like that. But everybody lived in the big cities. Now everybody's coming down and they're in East Tennessee. And 
it's like there's more people that are in the woods now it's you know which really kind of baffles me um like i've seen more people on the trails now than i have in like my entire life um but you know they're they're going out there and they're experiencing this stuff that out um but just kind of like well it's just the way that it is you know i mean it's just it's just part of it um but as far as why is tennessee different um well mainly what a lot of people don't realize is that east tennessee is <clears throat> all limestone okay so there are cave systems that occur all through the all, all throughout east tennessee um for instance Nayland Stadium, you know, the, the stadium of the Vols. There's actually caves that go underneath Nayland Stadium, and they have to pump concrete under the stadium every couple of years just to keep it from collapsing. So there's all sorts of caverns and, and places that these cryptids can basically stay out of sight for the most part. And now that we're having such a population boom that, you know, the ground's being disturbed and a lot of these things are just coming out of the woods. So, yeah. So they've always been there, obviously. And you said Nayland stadium, that's in Knoxville, right? Yeah. 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 I never heard about this. Let me pull the picture up real quick, but my whole thing was, why is Tennessee so damn dark? Like, as far as like, like the lighting, it's really, it's really dark, bro. When I was pulling, when I was driving through those woods, man. Yeah. Well, could... it's it's the um, you know, when you get away from from city life, um, that's what a lot of people don't realize is the amount of light pollution that occurs, mm-hmm. um, in in places like East Tennessee, when, when you're away from the, the, the bigger metropolitan type areas, it gets dark, man. It, it like, and you can see, and you can actually see the stars though, but like you can actually see where you're at on this planet rather than just looking up and seeing some, you know, cloud of nastiness. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, dude, it, it definitely gets dark in, in some places. When I was in Tennessee, I, I could breathe fine, right? And I could, I yeah. was fine with my sinuses. As soon as I crossed the border with Florida, my sinuses started acting yeah. up. I don't know if it's those chemtrails that they're spraying in the air or what, but it's something about yeah. those mountains, dude. That it's it's also peaceful. Yeah. And one yeah. one of the things that stood out to me was the sign that because I was near Gatlinburg, just outside of it, the sign said. It said Gatlinburg, the gateway to the Smoky Mountains, almost like it is some sort of yeah. portal of some sort yeah. that you're entering through. And these things are existing yeah. on the other side. Oh, yeah, for sure. Interesting wording, right? I mean, that, that they would use that the gateway, the, the portal, the, the to access this other side. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, actually over there on the other side of that is where I found, um, in my opinion, one of the most interesting dog man, actually footprints um, that I've seen. Uh, it was uh, out on a trail just um, it was probably let me think here. Probably 15 miles, maybe, from that sign that you're talking about um, in, in the Smokies, um, where I went out. Somebody had uh, – part of my channel is I have a lot of people reach out to me and tell me their encounters, and um, I basically share them, you know, with, with everybody because, you know, a lot of people don't want to go on podcasts. They don't want to put their face on, on something. They'd rather have me look like a crazy person. So uh, somebody had contacted me and told me about it. And I went out there and looked, you know, just to see what I could find. And sure enough, man, I found this, this paw print. It was just, it was massive. It was like as big as my hand. And I ended up running into somebody uh, who lived up there and she walked up and she was like, Hey, she was like, have you ever seen something like this? And I was like, no, I was like, <laughs> I, I was just walking up the trail because I saw that and I recorded it and I was going to look for ev more evidence to see if I could find maybe more footprints or spur or something. And we were sitting there going back and forth. She was like, I've been coming up here my entire life in this spot and I have never seen a print that big. And we were both just kind of shocked because it wasn't like a black bear print. It wasn't a mountain lion print. Um, but it was definitely some sort of canine almost looking footprint. And I still don't have an explanation for it. There's... But, what, but what was interesting? Go ahead. But what was what was interesting about that whole experience is <clears throat> that whenever I go out to the locations, I always try to determine if something could actually like survive there, you know, because it's got to have a it, if it's what our interpretation, and and I'm just using the base knowledge that we have, you know, as if you're a uh, a breathing animal, you're going to need uh, water, you know, a food source, some sort of shelter. And when I go up there and I'm moving up the trail, I find this old boar trap, what I thought was a boar trap. Now, afterwards, somebody else had chimed in on my channel and they've been like, I've been hunting boar like my entire life and I've never seen a boar trap that big like it was set up just like a boar trap so <clears throat> they were trying to say that it might not be a boar trap that maybe somebody had an experience with this thing and was actually trying to capture it but you know with the russian boar population the way that it is now there's a very good possibility that uh, that an animal of the size of the dog man could survive right where I found those prints. So I thought it was really, really 
what are you planning on doing, bro? If you ever do come across Dog Man, what what are your what are you what are you looking to achieve by by looking? I don't know, man. I don't know. I I don't know. That that that's a good question. Um, and that's what a lot of people think that I'm I'm crazy for because you know I the majority of the time I do this stuff alone. Like I go to these locations by myself, and I, in a way, I kind of do that for a reason. Um, I do uh, carry um, a, a firearm with me um, that I feel is the right caliper. So if I needed to defend myself, I could possibly um, at least give it a shot, you know. But I just want to capture this thing. You know, <laughs> I just want, I just want to, I want to get it on camera. I want to record it, you know, so we can actually say that this thing, yes, it does exist. Yes, it is out there because, you know, I personally believe that there are millions of species of animals that we don't even really know exist, not just in Appalachia, but, you know, all over the world. And I, I find it almost ignorant to dismiss the, the possibility of something like this continuing to exist um, on Earth. So, but a lot of people also bring in the portal side of it, you know, whether or not it's alien or you know, it's coming out of the earth itself, which is a possibility. Um, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people <laughs> in the mountains that say these things come out of the earth. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not sold on that yet. But because is, is it? Because I know it's a lot, it's a lot, right? It's a lot to to really where we can go from here in this conversation. Because I have a lot of questions. Do you feel that maybe because in Tennessee, right, we have Oak Ridge, which apparently is the center yeah. for the Manhattan Project, right? We have that connection there. We have what is yeah. it? Nuclear, some nuclear plants, and some shadiness going on there. Could it be possible? Could it be possible that it, it is some sort of government experiment gone wrong, like some chimera maybe? <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Well, okay, so you have heard of CERN, right? I have, yes. Okay, so you know what the Large Hadron Collider is? I do, yes. Okay, there's another one that a lot of people don't realize exists. They only think about the one, you know, over in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. There's another one in Oak Ridge. And a lot of people don't realize that. And uh, it was about a year ago. <clears throat> there was this science, scientist that had, she came out and was talking about the possibility of being able to open a portal. And then once everybody caught wind of what she was saying, she quickly went back and retracted her statement saying, Oh no, you know, there wasn't anything there. You know, we, we are doing this research, but 
um, we're, we're not going to try and um, open any type of portal. But with that being said, um, I have heard that they have specific security people there that are trained to handle dealing with situations um, where they accidentally bring something into <laughs> our world. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's like yeah. R.I.P.D., that one movie where they're like in charge of the paranormal and the ghosts and stuff like that on Netflix. <laughs> have you seen that? Sh- have you seen that show, that, that movie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah, so the the hydron collider, that thing is wild, man. Okay, so we, we have this collider, and I knew it was somewhere in Tennessee. I just didn't know where exactly. I, so it is in Oak Ridge, right? It would make sense. Yes. And the possibility of these portals opening up, because we know that they're trying to they're they're messing with stuff that could be considered magic and some other. Well, you know, it's it's just it's. It's stuff that, in my opinion, we don't understand. I, I'm not against this research either. Um, I, th- I think it's pretty crucial for us to do this research. I'm a strong believer that um, even I, – I believe that there was an advanced civilization that occurred even before modern Egypt or our, our interpretation of you know who built the pyramids and, and – and things like that. I, I think that there has been a technology on this planet that is forgotten. Um, but in Oak Ridge, it's, it's a different feeling, man. Um, but also I think that Oak Ridge is where it's at for a reason. Um, What's yeah, the lore say of that area? What do the natives say of Oak Ridge? That in that part, is it on a ridge? Is it on a, a certain mountain? Is it something about that um, spot? No, it, it's kind of like in somewhat of a bowl in a, in a sense. Um, they, they put it there in order to protect uh, our research. Um, from like getting bombed, um, it, back in the day, it was a pretty far out, you know, away from civilization area and Oak Ridge, the city as a result, uh, was a result of like the Manhattan, Manhattan project. Gotcha. Um, but as far as what, if you talk to anybody from, you know, Knoxville, Oak Ridge, Loudoun, I- anywhere, Everybody says there's some weird shit going on there. So um, I I think that they're not only doing specific interesting research there that could possibly change the way human existence is interpreted, but I think that they chose that location because of the Earth's natural special properties. You know, I I think they know Mm -hmm. what they have. And there's certain places in East Tennessee that a lot of these properties actually can be still, you can experience them. One of my favorite ones is Black Mountain. Uh, Black Mountain is an area that was, it's 
when you go there, it's like stepping onto a different planet, man. Like the rock formations are different. Like you, you see, um, in, in my video, um, what was it? Sasquatch in the Cumberland mountains. Yeah. So, I mean, look at that view. I mean, it's crazy. So I had gone and I was doing some Bigfoot research there. Yeah. That's so cool. And I had found this old tree that in my opinion, people argue with me. I had a guy say that he's been a, a logger for 50 years and that the trees in the area that I was in weren't more than 75 years old. But I literally in the same video go to a building that was from uh, like 1889 or something like that. So it was, it was kind of silly, but anyway. Um, so as I am um, walking past this what I believe is a Native American guide tree, I have this sensation. And it really made me think, uh, you've heard of the missing 411 cases? Yeah, is it Pilates? Is that his name? Yeah, David yeah. Pilates. Yeah. yeah. He, he, always, he always talks about um, how people can go missing. This was my only time where... In all of all of this research that I've done, all of these trails that I've gone on, that I've experienced anything like this. But I had gotten off of the trail. I did exactly what David Pilates says not to do. So I get off the trail, and um, I'm walking past one of these kind of formations that you're showing right now. And I get this whirring sound like in my ears and you can faintly hear it on audio as, as I'm walking. And it felt like I was getting pulled into the freaking rock. Like it was such a weird experience. Like it made me like get all off balance. Like I had crazy vertigo, but I stepped forward and I stepped away from it. And then immediately like it hit me. I was like, that was a crazy experience. So I feel like, that there's possibility a portal here. So, and then after that, I record some of the weirdest freaking sounds I've ever captured in East Tennessee. I mean, it sounds like a monkey. Like, I mean, it's straight up sounds like a monkey. Like, I, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> people said that some of the people in the, in the comments immediately jumped to a barred owl, but it, it's not a barred owl. There, there, there's no way like i mean it's like very ape-like and we don't have monkeys here so so well we have monkeys in florida bro and i found out that very dude, I, I, very yeah. early on dude that the monkeys in florida have a deadly disease of herpes that is fatal 95 percent of the time if they scratch you so and they're in the national parks holy shit yeah wow yeah, yeah. so Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so be careful with the monkeys here in in Florida. And I wanted to bring this up because the the one story, bro, and I know there's there's various stories of, and this isn't exactly in Tennessee, but it's close, the land between the lakes. And yeah, I looked up here how close Oak Ridge is to land between, the, and of course, it's not that it's not that far away, right? It's it's, it's relatively right. close, so. The one story, bro, that really made me a, 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 
a, a believer, right? A believer mm -hmm. in Dogman was the woman in, and it's, I think it's Cock County. I mean, that's kind of funny, but Cock County, the, yeah. the, the woman that was bit to death, but then this is fairly recently. And the thing is yeah. that they're very, they're very kind of shady about the details. They're like, oh, it's just, you know, this woman, she was mauled to death by a pack of dogs but then like nobody really knows exactly yeah. like it's very shady bro it's super shady and this when i when i was looking at this i'm like there's other stories similar to this one of the of people getting mauled by huge dogs bro this is like a, a yeah. reoccurring thing and when i started to go down this rabbit hole it's like no like this is yeah a phenomenon bro and this is yeah. what makes me believe in Dogman or whatever yeah. it is. And a yeah. question I have for you, because there's a distinction to be made, obviously, between. And I've heard stories that Dogman and Bigfoot, they kind of go hand in hand. And that Bigfoot is kind of like the familiar of the Dogman and he kind of controls him. I've heard stories like that where yeah. there's both Dogman and Bigfoot at the same time. But whenever you hear a Dogman experience... It's almost like it shakes people to their core. Like it terrifies people to their core versus a Bigfoot. Like when they see Bigfoot, it's like, oh, I saw Bigfoot. He's kind of friendly. Right. I want to go look yes. for him again. But then when they see Dogman, it's like, right. I don't ever want to look at the woods ever again. Well, okay. So in my opinion, it, they're I, whether actually whether or not they're connected or they're not connected, but – it is very the energy that each one of them produce is kind of it's different the energy that a sasquatch produces makes you feel comfortable it, it's weird but you know if you think about it just wants a hug bro <laughs> that's not necessarily a good thing you know you there's a lot of animals in the animal kingdom that are extremely deadly that use that you know, to their advantage. You think it's like a Dog mechanism man, that he uses for like preying on people? Yeah, possibly. I mean, you know, I had a close encounter with Bigfoot. Um, and I, like, I was shocked. I was totally shocked. And it was, I went out actually because um, a friend of mine, uh, this guy named Willis had set up this game camera and this one like, area that was out in the middle of nowhere and he had captured what kind of looks to be like a dog man i mean it, the height of it like it was a game cam so you know it was mounted on a tree so it wasn't like um a boar um it was kind of brownish in color so it's not a bear because we don't have brown bears here but he told me exactly where it was and I was like, all right, I'm going to go out there and look for it. So I go out there and I had been hiking. I hiked probably three or four miles. Then I'm like, all right, well, I haven't found a whole lot. I had found some weird prints, um, but nothing too, you know, definitive. And I start hiking back and I make it to this complete other side. And it's kind of like this dirt road. Um, 
and I'm walking down this dirt road and I look down and I find this Bigfoot print. Like, I mean, clear defined footprint in the mud, like out in the middle of nowhere. There's no reason any person should be barefoot. Like you can see the toe, like, and that's one thing that a lot of people have, uh, they gave me crap about because the footprint was so defined. Like you can see the toes, um, not just the pad of the toe, but you can see the, the actual, how it extends. And most people aren't used to seeing that. Then, because I'm shocked at this point, I was not expecting to find this print. So I'm looking down at it, totally off guard, like trying to record myself at the same time. And all of a sudden, this huge black just mass goes darting across the trail. And I'm just like totally taken back. And I hear it and I'm like, I, I hear it run and it stops. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, and I actually look at the camera and I say, I think I'm about to get eaten by Bigfoot. Like, and, and I was like, like legit, like I thought like I was about to die, but it never charged me. It just, it was like, it made its presence known and then just kind of let me go. But in an area where there is, a, a dog man the main the closest I think I've ever come to a dog man it w- was in um, out near Cumberland Falls so I was out looking for a, as a response to a uh, somebody had messaged me told me that there was a um, a, a recent sighting there told me where they were I, so I went out there and looked as I was on my way out there, I started doing some more research and there's multiple cases of people reporting, seeing this thing there. So, um, like I said, in the beginning, wherever I, whenever I try to go out, I I try to look for, um, kind of like a means of survival, you know, could a creature of this size actually survive there? And part of that is looking for shelter. And I find this cave that is kind of carved into the side of the mountain. And so I like walk down and I go inside of the cave and I'm like shining my light down. And you can see down in this cave where some large creature that was at least probably six foot tall had been walking back and forth across the cave because the side of the cave had i mean it had fur in it it had it was just like all just streaked with like dirt and grease like it's a defined line some people had said that they saw in that video that they see something actually at the back of the cave but i didn't it was kind of a tight area i mean not really that tight but it was kind of a tight area i was at this point several miles out in the forest by myself and I, you know, I wasn't going to walk into a cave because <laughs> I mean, we do have, we do have black bear, but the height of it didn't add up with a black bear. Cause I mean, black bears, some of them can get up to five, 600 pounds, but this, this height 
didn't make sense because then it would be walking on all fours. So that would put it, you know, roughly four feet off the ground. But yeah, that energy though, that I experienced was like scary, man. Like, I mean, it was like, it was very, very threatening, but it wasn't, I, I knew I had to leave at that point. I was like, I got, I just got to go. And, you know, when I do these investigations, I, I get a lot of gripe for it because I leave um, when I get those feelings. But, you know, at the same time, like, I want to go home. I want to be able to show the footage I did get, you know, um, and I, I want to be able to keep doing this. So, yeah, it's. Uh, so was that a Bigfoot encounter? Or what, you said that was a Bigfoot encounter, right? Because you're making it sound more like a dog, man, because you. you you felt so the energy right? second half in the cave, I believe in the cave, I believe that was a dog man. Okay. When, when I found the original footprint in the other place, which I, I won't release the, the name of this other place because, um, I, it's, it's actually a really dangerous place. Like I've been shot at there even. Um, it's, it, it yeah, it, it's a, it's one place. And, and, in my videos, I actually always try to put the location where I'm at because, you know, a lot of people have this interest, you know, maybe somebody wants to be able to go on an adventure too. And it's the paranormal. Um, I, I, I'm not the type of person that wants to make this mine. You know, I, I want to share it with the world. That's not my intent with my channel. Like, you know, I, I want people, if I experience something there, I want you to be able to feel like you can go there and you can experience the same exact thing. So. No, absolutely. And I'm, you know, I can respect that. You're not going to catch me out there by any chance, but by any <laughs> means, but you know, more power to whoever wants to go there. Cause I, I do believe that cause you, you keep mentioning if uh, a creature of this, size can survive in these areas well what if there's yeah. more where do you stand on the camp of these things being metaphysical more than an actual physical thing and i know you said that the lure the local lore says that they come from the ground from inside the ground they come out is right. that hinting at hollow earth or is that hinting at that they manifest through something well, in the ground not necessarily even um either one of those um we have, like I said, in the very start, you know, we have a lot of cave systems here. Um, and me and my brother used to explore a lot of those cave systems. You, you can't really get into a lot of them now. Um, but even the Native Americans use those cave systems. So my, my point is with that is a creature of that size could easily, easily hide from, you know, the human population for decades without being discovered because there's not many people that go down in these caves anymore. You know, they're dangerous. They're, they're not, they're not stable caves really even, um, at all. So you, you ought to ask Jason about the time that he fell off the uh, side of a cave one time. I'll make sure to ask him. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. so, do you have any stories of what, cause I'm, I'm thinking right now of the skinwalker and how 
the skinwalker yeah. they say that that they use it's some sort of curse that's put on by an opposing tribe onto the people that they're attacking well, is there any stories with that in bigfoot um, and dogman at all well it really in, in in my from what my understanding of in in native american culture there is a kind of medical metaphysical aspect to this that it may be in a sense that they feel like that they could could have controlled these beings in a sense um but you know i when i do this research i i try to i do my best to just keep it grounded and not go too far <laughs> off the edge you know um <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's easy to do because it's fr it's so frustrating mm -hmm. um because you know i'm out looking for something um at least once a week at least once a week and it can be difficult when you're finding this evidence you know footprints or hair or you know a kill something like that um, and then not have a logical explanation for it. So it's, it's really easy to jump to the uh, metaphysical side. But I cannot, in my opinion, I can't prove the, the medical, metaphysical side of it. It's something that, in my opinion, that humans just can't comprehend right now. What, you know, maybe in the future we will be able to. Um, I, I think a lot of it, we're, we're jumping ahead um, in, in trying to understand things that we just physically cannot comprehend. And even with my ghost side of the research, you know, I, I try not to go too far into the deep end with it in, in understanding exactly what's happening and, and feeling like I can control it. There's a lot of people who... Uh, claim to be able to cleanse areas to be able to get rid of these evil spirits or this evil that's happening i personally and i'm not i'm, I'm not saying that they can't i'm not saying that it's hogwash i'm not saying any of that but what i am saying is i me personally i i don't believe that we can control that stuff um much less even understand it so with the idea of the dog man and the Bigfoot being some sort of metaphysical tie. Um, that's a rabbit hole that I just try to uh, stay away from. <laughs> yeah. Cause I've heard stories. I have a friend of mine who did this huge episode where a witch had Bigfoot almost like as a familiar and really, yeah, she was able to call upon it and it would start, you know, you'd hear it whooping back whatever it was in, in the woods and she's like oh there he is you know and he brought a couple friends with him and who but yeah. again who knows if it was bigfoot or if it was maybe something else right something right who knows like you said metaphysical and that's that that is a rabbit hole that that is, is a very deep one and another yeah. thing i wanted to talk to you about was the tell me a little bit about the the pharaoh people of feral people <laughs> so okay we can go down this rabbit hole um okay so this is actually something that when i initially put that video out there um i didn't think that it was going to get as as, as much tension as, as 
as it did because this is a storyline i don't want to say storyline but um that's how this has been passed down um from generation to generation and you you were pointing out with your uh when you were talking about the dog man, the dog attacks. Okay. And you didn't understand how more people were not responding to that. Um, well, it's because it's kind of just a part of the culture. It's one thing that is okay that we don't just, we don't talk about this stuff. We don't go further deeper into it. And then when I brought up, talking about the feral people everybody just kind of got really excited about it because here i was uh an east tennessee guy who knew the stories of these feral people and i'm bringing it to the forefront you know i'm actually discussing it because if you talk to any any of my generation or the generation before me um and you ask them about people living in the woods, they will 100% agree with you. And it's not in a sense that it's a negative thing, but it's it's just a recognition of those things, of those people being out there. Now, the question is, are those feral people part of... um, civilized society that wanted to get off the grid go out into the woods and they return to their animal instincts or is this a generation of people who have been living in the woods um that has managed to stay out of the public eye and the appalachian mountain chain is massive you know i mean it goes from georgia to maine there are tons of unexplored areas there that people just don't go into there is i and on the people leaving the population the civilized population a lot of them ran from the law um a lot of them ran to the Appalachians to avoid going to war, you know, and, and we have documentation of this happening as early as the civil war. Um, so it's very possible that those people continued to breed outside of, you know, civilized society. There's also the native American aspect of it. Which, this is, what I'm about to say is solely based off of research, okay? This is just what I have, from talking to different people, I am not saying this is a factual statement. I'm not trying to, you know, talk about negative about the Native American people in any way. Um, But when the Native Americans were being pushed out of their land, from what I have gathered, a lot of them, rather than um, fleeing to, you know, go towards out west, they hid deeper in the Appalachians. And in order for their population, for the, for their Native American bloodline to 
um, continue, they practiced inbreeding. Now, there is um, theories that these feral people are a, resu- <clears throat> are a result of the Native Americans being forced from their land and hiding in the Appalachians and just generation after generation was born of a kind of a single inbred type of species. So with that aspect of it, um, it's that kind of, actually, I'm not going to say that. Um, So, you know, there, and, and there is just tons of evidence of people, you know, leaving civilized society. I mean, just look at the boom. I, I mean, hell, look at the boom that's happening in East Tennessee. It's part of human nature. When we get pushed to a limit where we don't like our surroundings, our instinct is to run to the woods. You know, there are there's mental health issues. There, there's a variety of reasons of why people could go out in these woods and live off the land and possibly retreat back to uh, just our feral animal instincts. There is that, that wouldn't be too far fetched. And I mean, I don't think that would be in my opinion, offensive to say that because I mean, it, it makes sense right. from my point of view where, yeah, they're, they're, they would be pushed. I mean, they were literally, obliterated there was a genocide here in florida and with the seminal wars and everything they were trying to literally get rid of an entire population of people so by them by them going deeper into the woods and how you're saying practicing inbreeding because they have to keep every you know everyone alive that could look at the movies I, i think that movies hold a lot of messages and when you look at the movies like the hills have eyes where it's like these mutants of Again, in inbreeding, not saying that this is the case here, but there's movies about it where it's just like that. There's a whole bunch of mutants and they're living and the hills have eyes, right? If, if yeah. anyone's seen, yeah. seen those movies. But yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me, man. And there are people who live off grid. I know people who live off grid in the mountains in different areas. And how you're saying, but the is there any encounters how the ones that I mentioned as far as or can you clump them all together of like this feral person attacking a person and perhaps unaliving them or whatever the case may be? Is there so, any, is there any reports? Um, there has been and um, I am about to go to the location where this occurred. Um, so I had a individual reach out to me whose, um, son had served in the army, was a, a flight medic and had gotten out of the army and went to move back to North Carolina and, was working as a flight medic for his local EMTs or I'm not sure exactly your your local rescue squad. Um, He one day got a call that 
there was a man that had looked like he'd been living in the woods um, that had basically passed out on the side of the road next to this telephone pole. Well, the local dispatch had, had called in and they sent a helicopter out to pick up this man because he was uh, severely disfigured, um, was covered in ticks and, you know, just had exposure really bad. And when the medic had brought him to the Chapel Hill hospital, they, he was really fascinated with this case. So he was, you know, kind of checking in and was able to get a look at the chart on the chart. It was highlighted multiple times, severe inbreeding also on the chart. Um, they had indicated that the individual that they had picked up off of the side of the road had a disease that was a result of consuming human brain tissue on human fresh human flesh now this disease is called kuru um we had and there was a, a documented and i've looked this up there was a, a documented case of it in the united states so this kind of validated that story now we thought that kuru had basically been eradicated um, because the last active case that they had found was actually in Papua New Guinea. So in Papua New Guinea, the local tribesmen, as a result of a, like, uh, a funeral procession or a funeral ceremony, would actually consume the dead individual. Now, in uh, all of our brains, we have this uh, certain type of protein that when a non-infected person eats that then you start to develop kuru which is a neurological disorder that you know starts attacking your muscles and um, basically shuts your shuts your brain your, your bodily functions down so i felt like this case was really important because it kind of checks those boxes you know we were always kind of wondering whether or not these feral people are actually cannibalistic for one. Um, and two, you, you know, is it a result of inbreeding? We actually have a person, you know, a documented case of this person, you know, who was severely inbred that was carrying this disease. So, whether or not, I mean, I, I'm not saying that this individual was unaliving people um, or it was a result of some sort of other ritualistic practice or, or whatever. But the fact of the matter was, is he had this disease. The only way to get this disease is from eating another human being. So, yeah, you can't rule it out. And I'm thinking right now of. Oh, Chessy Pond Wildman. Ever heard about that in Florida? Yeah, actually, I have. <laughs> yeah. Where it's making me think of that, where they found this hairy being, man, that they believe yeah. was probably a 
Bigfoot that they had in prison and put in a in a was it an insane asylum? But then when they went to go check the records, he was never there, right? I mean, they the the yeah. government would go t- to a certain length to to cover this up. And why do you think? Do you think that the government is trying to hide this from the people, and that's why they don't acknowledge it? Like right now, we have the whole disclosure thing with the UFO and how people are saying that's a psyop. What are your thoughts on that? Is the government withholding this information because they know about it? And they were trying to hold it back well, from the public. So, in order to explain my opinions on how the government's interaction is uh, with this, I mean, obviously, you got to go back to Roswell. Roswell was like the first um, definitive, you know, what uh, is considered a cover up was. I mean, hell, Area 51 wasn't even actually recognized as being on the planet until what, like 2005 or something like that. So, you know, with Roswell, when Roswell happened, um, it was at a time where Americans, Americans were under a lot of pressure, you know, as a result of the, you know, the world wars, um, there was a lot of stuff going on. So during that time, um, a lot of people were using their faith in religion essentially to hold themselves together. You know, if you had all of a sudden in the middle of this, when you have massive death happening across the United States as a result of, you know, the wars and people trying to deal with that psychologically and them turning to religion as a means of just you know, getting through the day, you introduce the fact that there are aliens out there, you're going to make the population lose their freaking mind. So they had to cover it up. Okay. They had to. It just as a means of population control. Now, what speed forward to, you know, modern day. <laughs> Science is all about being able to reproduce, you know, your results with these Bigfoots, with Dogman. It's really difficult to reproduce the results, even like in the state of Tennessee. um, For example, we say that we do not have mountain lions roaming around East Tennessee. That's what the official statement is um, from from the state, okay? But if you live in East Tennessee, you know that there are mountain lions here. You know that there are black panthers here. But there is no way for the state or the government to actually go out and reproduce these these findings. And then something interesting happened in 2016 when Donald Trump was elected. So Donald Trump was an American, you know, he was a citizen that stepped out of the civilian side of this and into the government side of it. And if you think about it, what was one of the first things that Donald Trump did? He started Space Force, like immediately, (laughs) 
immediately. It's kind of like one of those situations where you walk in and, you know, it's just like, holy crap. You mean y'all are not doing anything about this? Like, we don't have some sort of plan in place? Like, are, are you serious? So, to me, that really kind of showed that this stuff is out here and the government has a role in trying to keep the population from totally losing their mind and, and, you know, them lose, because if the general population one day found out and actually Bigfoot was recently um, recognized on like the endangered species list. Did you notice that? No, hold on. Yeah. Bigfoot. Bigfoot is officially recognized now. Let's check this out. I haven't, haven't. Yeah. So yeah, you gotta look it up. What in the world? Hold on. Bigfoot yeah. is endangered so, species since uh, since 2018, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so they're they're kind of dropping it as little morsels for us to slowly be able to consume and slowly understand. I mean, you can go on Congress.gov's website and read about crafts that they have that can travel through space, um, air, water, and even dimensions. Like, I mean, it's on Congress's website. Like, that information, it's out there. And so it's hard, I think, for the general population and um, the government to be able to rationalize this while keeping, you know, control uh of everybody so i i think that they're definitely limiting a lot of the information as regards to it like you just have to look for it to be able to find out if it's real so yeah i mean that that's a very yeah so there's a whole bunch of things on it i can't really pinpoint exactly when it happened but i saw something here where it says that Bigfoot was in 1965. Bigfoot was added to the the endangered species list in Russia. <laughs> yeah, Germany and France followed in suit in 1967. So this has been an actual thing for quite a long time. And the idea right. that how you're saying that they're recognizing it. I mean, if it was all fake, why would they recognize right. it at all? Right. I mean, there's there's something to yeah. that. And I think that I think that there is something to the phenomenon. And I I talk about phenomenology where it's the experience is real. That experience that that person is going through is real, regardless of what anybody says. Now, for sure, how you said we can get lost in the sauce to to say that oh, is it metaphysical? Is it not? Because I do think that there is some aspect of it that involves in in some cases the warping of people's reality you said that you were being called you almost like a a magnetic force of that rock or whatever it was in that area almost like a portal was calling you and then you have the aspect of people going missing well what if the feral people are taking them right like there's like so many different ways yeah you you know what i mean bro like it's crazy yeah man yeah for sure for sure it's uh yeah, 
it, it's a rabbit hole, man. And, and like I, I had really gotten into it and I, I've always been into it. Like my mom was into the paranormal. Um, and then I had moved into this old house. Um, what really made me start wanting to show people that there's something else out there. Um, I had moved into this old house and this, it was from like the 1890s and um, in East Tennessee during the summer, it is hot and humid. Um, and I was sitting on my couch in my living room and in this old house that the air conditioner didn't work very well. So it was hot in the house and I'm looking down my hallway and I see this black mass at the end of my hallway. And I actually at first think that somebody has broken into my house. So I jump up and I take off running down the end of the hallway and thinking like I'm about to fight somebody. And by the time I get to the end of the hallway, it's so cold that I can actually see my breath. And that's kind of what really made me feel like I needed to get out and show that. And, then, and that's where my name comes from is Black Mass Paranormal because it was from an experience that I had from seeing this black mass. And, you know, there's a lot to our world that we don't understand. And I think it's important for people to recognize that and, and, and be okay with it. You know, we live now in a society where everybody feels like they know everything and they can argue over everything because they feel like they can just Google anything regardless of how they're feeling and get some sort of answer to it. Well, this type of stuff, you can't exactly just get an answer to, you know, you, you have to, in my opinion, you got to get out there and, and look and, you know, growing up in, in this area, like spending my time in the mountains and in the woods and, you know, on the water, I've experienced a lot of stuff. So it's, um, I, and, and I want to kind of, I want to share that with people, not only for, you know, to make everybody realize that this stuff is out, out there, but, you know, so people will be able to handle themselves a little bit better once they experience something like this, because a lot of people can get themselves in trouble when you go, you know, into the forest and you see something you're unsure of, um, you know, add on like a dog man face to it, you're going to lose your mind and you're going to get yourself hurt no matter what it is, you know? So it's important, I think, for people to, to realize that stuff. So, and proceed with caution. I absolutely think that there is a reality overlaid on top of ours. And I mean, I'm oh, real big into 100%. I'm real big into alchemy and we talked about CERN earlier. Well, they wouldn't be clashing atoms together, whatever an atom is to begin with. Right. Because we know an atom reacts right. differently when it's being observed versus when it's not, they wouldn't be doing right. that just because they they're doing that because right. they understand that it causes an effect either on the macro yeah. scale or micro scale. So I do think that there is more than meets the eye. And I'm thinking right now, do you have any stories of like, gnomes or little people in the tennessee area because there's a place here i did an episode on it the bach tower garden gnomes the bach tower garden yeah. and here in florida and it's a it's on top of a mountain that's called iron mountain and the lure goes that it's like some magnetic anomaly 
in that mountain, maybe uh-huh. hinting at some sort of portal or something. Is there any stories of like little people or gnomes? 1000%. Yeah. Um, it goes all the way back to the Cherokee folklore. Um, the Cherokee uh, recognized them as well. They, uh, it starts with a T. I, I, I don't want to butcher the name, but it's like, it's a T S U. Um, but essentially, it was uh, a group of these tiny people that were living uh, in the woods, and they were often known for causing mischief. Um, I actually did a story about it, but an old uh, buddy of mine, um, JD, he was a moonshiner, and he used to always complain about dealing with these things because they would always come mess with his equipment. Like he he would leave a still, uh, you know, of, overnight and or during he would leave a still during the day, and he would come back and like his elbows would be like in the trees and stuff would be like all scattered around and he always always used to complain about how they would mess with him um, to a point where at one at one time he said that they actually attacked him, but. I don't, I don't know if it was a combination of the moonshine or, or what. But his shins were all busted up, and like it, it was kind of a funny, funny <laughs> turn uh, to this. But yeah, man, the, uh, the I, I don't know if the little people are are still active. Um, I kind of feel like that that have might have been something that was lost with time as well. You know, um, because the experiences, you, you don't really hear too many experiences of the little people anymore. Um, you know, my buddy JD, he was older. Um, and it, it, it's a possibility that they're still out there, but I, I think that they definitely were at some point. And this is shout out to Anal- waking up with analog because it's a friend of mine who who pulls up a lot of old newspapers. We have here the the Morristown Gazette, April fifth, eighteen seventy six, talking about the Tennessee pygmies here. And yep. apparently there was an, in Kentucky the giants to whom the bones recently discovered in Kentucky cave are said to have belong. So it's talking about giants, and it's talking about see if here we can yep. pick up some. Wow, the mound builders have been subject to the Aztecs, Chinese, the Egyptians, the Kentucky Giants. <laughs> the discovery of the pygmies yep. is, however, so very recent that no one has yet framed any theory, whatever theory, whatever to account for their origin and to explain their complete extinction. Wow. Okay. So yeah, we have the newspaper from eighteen seventy-six talking about pygmies bro in tennessee yeah yeah that's you said it was the morristown the the morristown gazette yeah the pygmy grave in tennessee an ancient graveyard of vast proportions was found in coffee county where's that at bro coffee coffee county i think is actually near morristown similar to the white county other places in middle tennessee but is vastly more extensive and shows that the race of pygmies who once inhabited this county were very numerous. Because in the... Yeah. Whoa, there's estimated that there were about 75,000 to 100,000 buried there. Okay. So, That's wild. 
the story goes. Yeah, that's, that's more towards Middle Tennessee. Yeah. Oh, cent- Central Tennessee, because Tennessee's pretty big. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's huge. You can drive for like seven hours and still be in the same state. The lure of the gnomes of Bach Tower Gardens is that there is this this these orange groves right that were next to it, and okay. when they started the the farmers that had the grove started to notice that there were missing oranges. There was like oranges missing. Or like, yo, either someone's stealing it or like animals are eating, but it was like a large amount. And apparently one day they saw this little, I forget the size of it, but I, I interviewed, we interviewed the author of the, of the, the one that got the story and they, they had managed to capture one of these little men. It was like a little man and they put it in one of the crates and they took it down to the police station, right? <laughs> they took it down to the police station and turns out that back to where they had picked it up at, all these little gnomes came out. And they were attacking the house of the farmer that was there because they wanted his their boy back. But, but you know, yeah. they brought him back. And then allegedly they had brought this stone from Ireland, this blessed stone from somewhere, Ireland or, or, or Scotland or something. And they put it in the center of the grove there. And apparently that drove away the the little gnomes, bro. But the gnomes started to attack almost like was that movie wow. Gulliver's Travels where the no where the little yeah. <laughs> the little you know small people come out and they start attacking. It's similar to that. Yeah. You know? And it's just it's interesting, is all I'm saying. That that, that there's these stories and it comes to show that there's something yep. more going on. Well, one thing um I do find a lot. And it's so weird, and I, I don't really have an explanation for it, but you'll see it in a couple of my uh, a couple of my videos. I'll be out hiking, and I'll be out in the middle of freaking nowhere, and I'll find a little garden gnome, like just sitting <laughs> next to a tree. What do you think like, that it's, is? Bro? It's weird. I, I, dude, I don't know. I mean, I would assume it would be somebody, you know, just messing around, you know, but. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I guess I've never really looked at them too close. I, I just see it and I'm like, oh, there's another stupid garden gnome. Why do people keep putting them out here? You know, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Or maybe they're being I'm, stolen. I'm gonna have to, yeah, possibly. I'm going to have to look into that, man. I'd love to do go out and look for some little people. That would be cool. I'd like to get some more information on that. Go out, you know, go out in the woods and see what I can find. You know, I mean, that's what I'm all about. So, yeah. yeah. And out here, the the Everglades, bro. I mean, there we have the Everglades pig people that it was supposed to be this this yes. experiment by the government gone wrong. And the Everglades, there's something about these vast open areas that is, oh, I believe, is a hot spot for portal activity. And I think that these portals open up and things fall in and out of other existences or other realities. And there, but then there's the aspect of that it can kind of cross willingly. Mm-hmm. And I think that, for example, my opinion on Dogman is that I think that it was some alchemical experiment gone wrong. And and also yeah. I, you know, because it's something about it where whenever I hear a story about it, it's almost like it's out for vengeance. It's it's out for blood. It's out to to really inflict pain on whatever it is. Almost like it's angry or. Maybe demonic, bro. Right. I, don't, 
I don't even know how to how to explain it. Almost like a demonic entity. Or something. Well, it's it's also very unnatural. Um, the way people talk about seeing this thing move, even it's very unnatural. They like, say calculated, like right? Been... What does that even mean? When right. they say it's moving very calculated, it's like like an automaton or what? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's it it's that or like it's it, its body formation is not what it should be to be able to move. You know on our earth's plane anyway mm. uh the way that it should so that could be it but yeah and to wrap up bro what what what's next what are you investigating that's coming up here soon any interesting tips that you've had with the channel what what's going on um, what's, what's next for your channel dude uh well actually right now i am uh working on Proving uh, the existence of Black Panthers in um, East Tennessee. I just just released a video. Uh, it was scheduled to go out at 7.15 uh, tonight, so it's up right now. Um, but um, on top of that, um, so I've got a, a part two to that that I'm doing. Um, because it kind of falls, I, I know people like, well, that's not necessarily paranormal because we have black Panthers, you know, in Mexico and, but for this side, about the big my cats, thinking, though, right? yeah, the big, big cats, big because cats, there's, yeah. there's reports of seeing there's, there's lots of reports of people seeing this thing. Yeah. So to me, by being going out and trying to find evidence of this cat, it will kind of open up people's thinking to the existence of other things. You know, it, it's like trying to take baby steps. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, so if we can determine that this cat that we know is not supposed to be here is here, you know, who's to say that there's something else not there? So um, I, I'm doing a lot more with uh, the feral people, and I'm going to um, Kentucky um, to do to investigate the land between the lakes. I've got the actual location where that attack supposedly happened. Um, so I'm going to try to go there, um, investigate, see what I can find. And this Saturday, I'm actually going to Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary to do a ghost type investigation but i'm gonna try to get in the woods if i can yeah can you tell us a little bit about before you go about that because i know we talked about it before we started recording and i don't we didn't talk yeah. about it on air so brushy mountain state penitentiary was known as kind of the siberia of the united states um because of its location um they would put the most dangerous people in this prison, um, the James Earl Ray was there. Um, there's several just horrific, horrific people that were were put at yeah, at Brushy Mountain, and it's supposedly considered to be one of the most haunted locations uh, for ghost activity in the United States. Um, it's kind of like the Mecca for doing ghost hunting. And, um, you know, I'm doing so many other things 
that I had this opportunity to come up, um, I'm going to end up getting access to uh, the HIMAX uh, section of the prison and some other really cool things that a lot of people have not been able to see before and go in there and see if I could find something, you know, it's a, uh, it's a scary, scary place that the, it was, it was in a way um, they had, okay. So the prisoners alone were forced to go work in the coal mines that are behind the prison. Okay. They, if they did not meet their expected goal, they would be brutally beaten and tortured. So they would produce more. The, I think it was two thirds of the African American population um, had contracted some form i think i want to say it's hepatitis that would basically kill them there is just death throughout that entire prison and it happened for death and torture i mean if you're looking for that overlap that you were talking about because i i believe that too and i and i think that is kind of a an explanation for a lot of haunting activity that happens um i kind of believe that there's like two planes or multiple not necessarily i try to view it as two planes because if you get into too many you you get way off track but you know certain things happen over time and they are meant to happen and they continue to happen over and over and over again and that is what this haunting activity that we're experiencing actually is now is it possible f- during that point that you experience some sort of spiritual activity? Um, is it, are we the ghosts or are they the ghosts? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense, bro. So that's kind of the way I view it. And one thing that I, I've come to realize that in a lot of these situations where hauntings actually occur, um, it, it, required a massive amount of energy so um like in a situation where somebody was killed in in a very you know horrific way that energy is still existing and that it that exist that energy that was released at that point uh we might be able to go back and you know measure that in some way um but yeah no absolutely bro there there is that that does have connections with with some philosophies of people for example al-kindi one of these philosophers that i talk about from the ninth century he talked about how sacrifice the reason that it was it was used for the gods and used to for religious purposes or occult purposes, if you will, is because the snuffing out of that, everything is emanating a ray of light. I'm emanating a ray of light. Yes. A plant is emanating a ray of light. An animal is emanating a ray of light. And when you snuff that light out, right, Right. this light that's connected to the celestial spheres or, or, or space or wherever it goes, when you snuff that light out, you're able to use that energy from snuffing that light out for 
whatever religious purpose or cult magical purpose, whatever it is. And the practitioner yeah. is able to harness that energy. And what you're saying makes a lot of sense where if somebody is that light was snuffed out and not only that, but violently yeah. and you know, you know, the emotions were high, the hot, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You're able to harness that or tap into that later because essentially that things sometimes happen in these, in these prisons just because they're not using it for occult purposes. So right. maybe that energy stayed there and you come by Brian and you're trying to tap into yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah, man. So it's, it's, it, it's interesting. It, it, it's, it's a cool place. Um, but uh, you know, I, I love doing like exploring like old buildings and stuff like that too. So plus, you know, it's, it's a prison, you know, it's a massive prison. It's like in the mountains, like one road in one road out, like, you know, it's a, uh, and from what I know, I, I don't think that they've done a whole lot of, I, I was there like a year and a half ago, two years ago. Um, and what I remember they had made a moonshine distillery where you could go and drink some moonshine and go walk around the prison. But the, the prison itself was pretty much still in the um, state that it was in when it was abandoned, you know, shut down. There's a distillery on the property. We can go drink moonshine. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I have to check that out. Uh, That's, that's going to be, we could probably go, I, I won't go in the prison with you, but I'll go, drink moonshine bro (laughs) (laughs) yeah whenever i go to tennessee again but yeah yeah, it's i don't know man i i wish you the best of luck when it comes to this sort of stuff i just stay safe dude you know what i mean like to take a a cross or something for sure (laughs) i don't know man whatever you do i don't know if you have a ritual that you do i i listen i listen to my gut man um a person's instinct is so important and so real that a lot of people overlook it. And that would be my best advice to anybody for any, any purpose. Just listen to your, just listen to your instinct. We have this natural God given ability to be able to navigate this world. And it's not just, you know, for just, simple uses um it's we we have abilities that we don't understand yet so yeah absolutely bro and before we log off do you want to leave the people with any last words or plug your stuff again so people can find you and check out your channel sure um yeah so if you all are interested in the paranormal and finding out more about our existence, um, mainly focused in Appalachia. You can go to my YouTube channel, Black Mass Paranormal. Uh, you can follow me there. Uh, I do a lot of uh, outdoor investigations. I do both daytime and nighttime. Um, I use uh, thermal cameras. I use some good. I use some good equipment. Um, I'm a very technical person, so I try not to. Um, overreact in most of my situations. I try to keep my cool, but at the same time, I listen to my intuition and I, I uh, get myself out of situations before things get bad. But um, yeah, you should come check me out. I've got some uh, some cool things coming up, so you all can learn more. 
Awesome. And I'll send me your links, bro, whichever ones you want me to put out there. This was fun. We should do it again. And I don't know, man. Maybe I'll go out with yeah, you man, one of these for days sure. when I head over to Tennessee. And maybe we can yeah. go look, look for Bigfoot. I want to look for a dog, man. I want to look for Bigfoot because he's he's a he seems like a oh, cooler dude, guy. Well, man. <laughs> I, I know where Bigfoot is. Yeah, and I, and I'll get you some real Tennessee moonshine. I mean, I'm not hating on on the distillery version, but there, there's something um, different about moonshine being made in the woods than there is made in a uh, like a, a building so um yeah man I'll, I'll get you some of that stuff too awesome you know, bro just, just saying. This, this was fun bro and we'll do it again soon man